Welcome to Podagogy, a Highlander Academy podcast about what we do and why we do it. I'm Christy Wright. I'm the assistant head of school, and I'm sitting here with Nick Duncan, our headmaster. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to have you here. Welcome to episode 15, Why Do We Read the Great Books? And I'm sitting here with Nick Duncan, head of school at Highlander Academy. Nick, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. How are you, Christy? I'm well. I'm excited about this episode. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, we've both taught classes in the great books, so... This is going to be one of our personal favorites. Absolutely. Well, let's start here with a great quote, and I have a couple. You want to read this one by C.S. Lewis, and I'll take the next. Sure. C.S. Lewis said, My own eyes are not enough for, for me. I will see through those of others. And then I have a kind of a, a longer quote uh, coming from an interview from Mortimer Adler, whose book we'll recommend at the end of the episode. He said, suppose there were a college or university in which the faculty was thus composed. Herodotus and Thucydides taught the history of Greece and Gibbon lectured on the fall of Rome. Plato and St. Thomas gave a course in metaphysics together. Francis Bacon and John Stuart Mill discussed the logic of science. Aristotle and Immanuel Kant shared the platform on moral problems. Machiavelli, Thomas Hobbes, and John Locke talked about politics. And he he develops that. He goes on and he says, uh, would anyone want to go to any other university if he could get into this one? There need be no limitation of numbers. The price of admission, the only entrance requirement is the ability and willingness to read and discuss. This school exists for everybody who is willing and able to learn from first-rate teachers. And again, that's Mortimer Adler. And I think that's a great introduction to the great books. Absolutely. So let's start with the grammar of the topic at hand. Nick, what are the great books? Yeah, the great books are, uh, we we call them the Western canon. And they are the books that have uh, shaped Western civilization. And they have survived uh, throughout the ages. and And they hold within them the greatest stories, the greatest ideas. Um, that have existed uh, throughout the history of Western civilization, going back to the ancient world and coming up through the medieval world and even into the modern world. Um, And so, you know, the Western canon is something that even, um, you know, has potential to still grow because this is a, this is a conversation uh, that has taken, that has taken place um, between the greatest, the greatest minds that have lived throughout Western civilization. Right. So, um, I'll ask you to give us a few examples, just a few, but I want to make sure that we're clear about the fact that when we, when you, when you look up a great books list or Western canon, that there has been no body to come along, no entity to come along and formalize that canon. Right. Let's say the way the uh, canon of scripture has been formalized. Sure. And so you can find, you know, 10 different lists that will be very slightly different. Right. Of course, there'll be mostly a lot of overlap. So uh, if anybody goes looking for, you know, what is the Western canon or a list of great books. Don't be rattled by the fact that those lists are in a lot of ways up to individual opinion, right? Which I think is helpful because we're constantly analyzing what has made these books great. Do these books remain on the list and do they continue to hold up over time? Right. So if you Google Western canon or great books of Western civilization, you'll get lots of different lists, like you said, and you're not going to get like the Western canon review board. Right. That's like looking, <laughs> looking over these things and, and weeding through them. This is just what um, other great minds and, and culture has said, these are the things that are most valuable. Um, and so no matter what list you look at, there are a few names that you're going to see on there, a few titles you're going to see on there, no matter what. So kind of the Mount Rushmore of Western Civ. So you're going to see Homer, you're going to see the Odyssey and the Iliad. You're going to see uh, Dante and his divine comedy. Um, you're going to see 
Um, Virgil. Virgil. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Absolutely. Uh, what about maybe outside of the of literature? Going to see Thomas Hobbes. You're going to see Thomas Aquinas. A lot of political thought right. will be there. Rousseau. Jean-Jacques Rousseau will be there. Uh, Montesquieu and Voltaire. A lot of Enlightenment thinkers are going to are going to be in the Western canon. Right. Um, Scientists, philosophers, Scientists. Francis Bacon. Yes. So, and then of course, like you said earlier, moving into the modern world as well. Right. We have great works that were written even as early as the 20th century. And I like that you mentioned that that canon is continuing to grow. We like to say that we, you know, we're looking forward to seeing C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien on that list. Right. right? We're kind of adding them by requiring them in our, in our courses. We're adding them to the canon unofficially. So uh, we don't want to talk about the great books of the Western canon without mentioning what is the great conversation. You mentioned earlier sure. these books really mm-hmm. are, are a conversation which is why it's continuing to change. So, what do we mean when we talk about the Great Conversation? Right. Well, the Great Conversation centers around um, the biggest question that Western civilization has struggled with for centuries, which is, what does it mean to be human? Who are we? Where have we been? And where are we going? Um, and and there are lots of, of course, other questions that spin off of kind of those main few questions. Right, but, right. Yeah. So, it's a study of the human race, right. our purpose here. Hence humanities. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And of course, as Christians, we, you know, we don't want to be um, accused of being humanists, right. but we know that we can't talk about what it means to be human without starting with God, right? Yes. We and, are made in the Imago Dei. So, when we say, what does it mean to be human? For us, of course, as, as Christians, we're saying, what does it mean to be human made in the image of God? Right. What does that mean for us? Um, and that's part of the conversation that right. we engage in with our students here. Yeah. And we even see the pagans in the ancient world struggling with the issue of, um, now, of course, their gods were false gods. But in Homer, you see a lot of the questions of how much control do the gods have over our daily lives? Uh, at what points do they come in and... Um, sort of mess with the ongoings of humankind. And so, as Christians, we can study those big questions that human beings are asking, and we can um, modify a little bit and say, okay, well, we don't believe the false gods are doing this work, but we can still talk about what, you know, that great conversation take place and the questions that mankind has always been asking. And something I love about the great conversation is the questions don't change much. Over thousands of years, we're still asking, what is man? What is he for? Right. Uh, where did he come from? Right? Again, Christian or non-Christian, those are questions that we're asking. Uh, how much control do I have over my life? What is my life for? We can ask questions about family. And then again, if I move if I move the great conversation into our modern context, we have questions, uh, same question with our obsession with zombie culture and, yes. and uh, technology. What is a human? What constitutes? Right. We talk human? about artificial intelligence. Um, right. You know, artificial intelligence, uh, I, I heard on a radio show um, just a couple weeks ago, the artificial intelligence was debating uh, a, a, rhetor- a rhetorician, an orator. Um, and so, they had a panel of judges that was judging who who spoke better. And so, you know, we have to ask, can artificial intelligence be human? Like, what? Right. So, this is not... This is not a conversation that's going to go away. We've not figured it out. Oh, this is what it means to be human, and now we're done. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's look at the logic 
uh, stage of this of this topic. How does, and of course, the logic stage is how does something work? So we've named it. Uh, we've talked about great books, Western canon, great conversation. Um, but then let's talk about how that works. So very specifically at, at our school at Highland Rim, how does this just give us an outline of maybe the curricular side of things? How does that work here at our school? Yeah. So w- once the students get into, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, they're kind of coming out of primary into lower school. They're still in the grammar stage, but they're learning who these authors are and who these characters in these stories are. Um, And so they're going to read, you know, a lot of that is just studying history um, and and reading literature. So they're going to, um, you know, read Robin Hood. They're going to study the Trojan War. They have to study the Trojan War to understand Western civilization. They're going to study American history and they're going to look at Greek myths and we teach them famous men of the Middle Ages, famous men of Rome. And all of those things give them give them a context for what will come later on in upper school when they start reading the books from the Great Conversation. Right. It and provides reading, the grammar. Yes. Right. So they know the people, the places. They know who, they know what, they know what happened. Right. What that. was the outcome of this war? Um, and so when they go to read Homer, they understand, you know, what Odysseus is doing. They understand the context of the world that he's in. Right. They understand uh, when they go to talk about political thought and they, they're reading John Locke and, mm-hmm. and he's talking about life, liberty and uh, property. And they say, wow, that sounds a lot like what I learned in American history in sixth grade when I memorized part of the Declaration of Independence right. um, and, and the Constitution. A lot of that, this this language is the same. We can say, yeah, this is part of the great conversation, yeah. even even the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution is part of the great conversation. And so gives them a context for that. And then they, when they get into upper school again, they start reading these books. And our, and our curriculum that we use is omnibus. And so that that is a Latin word that means all-encompassing. And they walk through reading the great books from specific time periods. So in seventh grade, they'll be in the ancient world. In eighth grade, the medieval world. In ninth grade, the modern world. And then they do those that cycle over again, 10th, 11th, 12th, ancient, medieval, modern, with different books, uh, generally more difficult books uh, those last three years, focusing more on um, you know, even those first three years in the logic stage, um, they're kind of learning how to formulate those ideas and and converse with those ideas with their peers in a way that's good and right and helpful. And then they get to actually take part in that conversation more themselves those last three years and then culminating ultimately in their senior thesis, which is their first official academic work where they get to take part in the conversation themselves. Okay. And I want to be clear that not all of the Western canon is, um, not, not all of it are books that we embrace as good. And we'll talk in the next episode about why do we read, we're talking about why do we read the great books, but then there are some of those quote unquote great books that are not so great. And so we'll talk about that in the next episode. But as you said earlier, we really want to teach students, how do we interact with them? And our, our particular program, uh, specifically in omnibus, although the great books will be covered in some other classes as well. These are mostly primary sources. And I think it's important that we teach students how to think well, by nurturing them on on the the writers and in the books themselves not just looking at an overview or a commentary so we have a textbook that will give the students a quick you know here's a here's a preview here's some historical context some information about the author Um, it'll set the students up with specific questions but but at the end of the day we really want the students not to read about these authors about these works that have influenced Western civilization, but to read the works themselves. Yes. We don't want to just read 
what some 20th or 21st century person has said about Socrates or about Aristotle. We want to actually read Aristotle. We can't read Socrates. Right. No, we can he, read Plato. We can read Plato. <laughs> right. right. Um, and so, you know, we, we don't want to just know about them or read what someone has said about them. Uh, we want to actually read them and try to get into their mind a little bit and say, how would, and, and hopefully get to the point where, where we would say, how, how would Plato even think about this? Right, right. Right. Really understand how they were approaching the content or their, their subject that they were writing about. I, I think it was C.S. Lewis who once said that the original works themselves, the primary sources, are often much easier to read than the critics who come along later. And, but people think, well, I can't handle reading Homer. I can't handle reading these authors um, you you can. I mean, okay. our, our younger students can, our middle schoolers. And of course, we have to do a lot of um, breaking that down. But we found that they can handle that. And anybody can pick up a book and you're not going to get all of it the first time through. But the thing I love about great books is they continue to offer something to the conversation. And so I, I always say, I know it's a great book if I can read it two, three, four, five times and it gets better and better and better. That's why I, I love The Lord of the Rings. The more I read it, the better it gets. Yeah. And so I, I unofficially submit that yes, to the, the powers that be. The books keep speaking. The conversation keeps going on. Right. And and the hope is for the, the students that, you know, the eighth grader that's reading Beowulf, are they going to get everything from Beowulf in their eighth grade? No, they're not. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't have everything from Beowulf still yet either. And right. the hope is that since they get to keep these books, that they'll put it on their shelf. And when they're 25, they'll pull it out and mm-hmm. say, Absolutely. oh, yeah, I, I remember Beowulf. And they'll read it. And then they'll do that again when they're 35 and 45 right. and 55 and just continue to learn from these authors. Yeah, absolutely. So we've covered a little bit as we've gone throughout you know, the rhetoric level of this uh, of this episode. Why do we read these texts? And what what is the purpose for our students and our vision uh, as a school? Um, you know, And how do these books lead us? We've really... I've uh, been dealing with all of these questions, but do you have any last words on, you know, how, how does this um, serve the vision of our school? Is the, is the great books, is the Western canon necessary here at Highland Rim? Yes, the Western canon is necessary uh, because what liberal arts education does, and again, some of these terms, you know, we've, we've spoken about in earlier episodes, but what classical edu- education does is ask that question. What does it mean to be human? I mean, even when we're studying Yes, in the great conversation, but even when we're studying math and science, we can learn some about what it means, not even just to be human, but but who God is. And again, if we're asking ourselves, who are we as people that are made in the image of God, uh, then the study of all of creation and nature um, is part of that conversation. And a lot of the the people that we read in the great books are the people that made a lot of these great discoveries, uh, these scientists and philosophers that made discoveries about Hmm, maybe the earth isn't the center of the solar system. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the sun. Right? right. And they did that through observation. And, um, you know, there were philosophers and thinkers. And so we want to be um, people who think about these great questions. Also, we think that this is what it means to be an educated person and to be able to take part in this conversation. So it's absolutely necessary, not just for what we do here at Highland Ram Academy, but I would say, to say that I had a good education, you know, you need to be familiar with some of these, at least some of these, you know, authors that we said, these are kind of on the Mount Rushmore right. um, of, of Western civilization um, right. to be talking about these ideas because these ideas shaped the world that we live in right now. And so how could we ever move on and know where we're going right. and, and have a clear path 
unless we understand what has happened up to this point. Right. And shaped for good or ill. Absolutely. Because not everything in the Western conversation is good. There have been, you know, sometimes people say, what is the question is, what does it mean to be human? And we've come up with some really bad answers to that. Absolutely. And we should know what they are so we don't do them and dig them up again. Absolutely. Repeat repeat these errors. You know, less again, I've mentioned, I just want to be clear that we're not just talking about um, literature. We're not just talking about philosophy. I, I, I love what Gal- studying Galileo brings to the table when we look at the, how did the church and science interact with one another when they were at odds at this one point in history. Right. Well, this is a long time ago, but how relevant is that question for us today? How does the church and science interact with one another, right? Are they enemies? Are they friends? Is one a handmaid to the other? And so... I, I think that these are questions that are not new to us, and knowing that these are questions that um, very wise men and women have dealt with in the past should be a comfort to our to our minds and our hearts, knowing that we're really not creating um, these aren't new paths, but these are familiar paths for those who have come before, and we can stand on their shoulders. So let's uh, let's mention a few parent resources, parents. If you want to continue to learn about great books, I recommend a book called. Great Books of the Western World by Mortimer Adler. And what he does is he breaks down very briefly a few pages on each of you know these great books and just gives you a quick overview. I don't think, I think that's a great starting place. Don't end there. Um, so introduce yourself who, you know, I've heard these names before. I kind of, I don't know what they've written. I don't know what they've contributed. That's a really great guide. And then uh, feel free to, to pick one up alongside your students and, and read them alongside your students if they're in upper school and are reading through omnibus Uh, the omnibus textbooks especially the introduction uh, of those textbooks has a really great um, some really great thoughts about why we're reading the western canon and so i'd recommend that to you and even for those primary lower school parents uh, reach out ask us say hey could you guys get me some copies of those essays or could you you know what uh, my kids only in first grade but what book would you recommend that i read and uh, we could help you out with that and then also coming to visit some of our omnibus classes, sit in and listen to what this great conversation sounds like when it's being uh, being uh, participated by 13-year-olds or 17-year-olds and see what that looks like for yourself. And so one last parent resource I want to put before you, our, uh, uh, our association, the Association of Classical Christian Schools, uh, has a podcast um, doing something very similar to what we are trying to do here, just go through those, you know, what is this vision? What is classical Christian education? What does it look like? Let's try to understand it. And And so that, and they're doing that, that that podcast is really helpful because, you know, we're talking about what we do here at Highland Room Academy specifically, you know, for our parents and for the upper Cumberland, but, but the ACCS is a national uh, group. And so we, we have over 300 member schools, across the country and over 50,000 students in those schools. And so Basecamp Live is a good podcast that, that they, they're having a lot of the same conversations we are here, but they're talking about the, the movement as a whole. And so maybe really encouraging. Absolutely. So let's end. We started with a great quote. Let's end with a greater quote. And here we have a quote from an upcoming eighth grader. And when we asked her, why do we read these great books? She said, very simply, very, uh, very poignantly to learn from mistakes from history. Yeah, she's not wrong. That's really great. She gets it. Absolutely. So uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. Reach out to us on our website, www.highlandermacademy.org. You can find out how to contact us. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast or about the the topic today. Um, And then stay tuned for the next episode, 16, Why Do We Read the Not-So-Great Books? Thank you. 